Hello there. I'm History of the Flash, but you can call me JD. And I'm Caleb. You can call me Comic Savior. And this is a hero story, episode 81. This is our second episode now without Hunter, uh, Comic Savior. Caleb is all is guest hosting again, thankfully. Th- big thanks to him, because I don't think I'd be able to run this podcast alone. It would be weird kind of talking to myself for an hour. So <laughs> uh, we share a lot of the same comic views. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, we reviewed Birds of Prey, which if you watch the movie, go ahead and check that out. And uh, yeah, he'll, he's back again this week, so we can talk about some comics. We got a big reveal in Battinson. We got a lot of news coming up. So yeah, uh, there's no time to waste. Let's get right into it. So the big news, of course, is we finally got a look at Robert Pattinson's Batman suit. This was unexpected, dropped out of nowhere, and it, it went from uh, one little tweet about it to all over my Instagram timeline. <laughs> <laughs> it literally, I'm... It's kind of crazy how fast it exploded because I was me and my roommate were going and getting lunch and I was standing there in line. And then all of a sudden I saw one thing pop up and I'm like, oh, OK, that's a funny joke. And then it's yeah. like exploding. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's like a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I don't know if I was, I was either just going to the gym or I was just getting back from the gym. And my roommate shows me he's like, oh, Pattinson reveal. And I was like, yeah, OK, pal. And he's showing <laughs> me the and he's showing me the video. And I see all I could see because like, his brightness was down. So all I see is like a red tinted video. I'm like, this isn't Pattinson. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, it is. <laughs> so <laughs> so, yeah, we got our first look at Robert Pattinson as Batman. It's uh, sort of a close up. You see like his face, his neck and his bat logo in like a red tint uh and it's we hear a little bit of his score in the background and yeah this is our first official look this brings me back to the days of getting batflex first look and i'll tell you this is getting a lot more positive reactions than batflex did right off the bat no pun yeah yeah i uh (laughs) yeah i it's kind of weird because I really haven't seen too many people that have been like i hate it it's disgusting and usually the people that are the people that are like you know, what don't you understand? Ben Affleck is still Batman, you know? Yeah. So, I, mean, I kind of just, I put him off to the side. But I mean, yeah, all of the reactions I've been seeing have been mostly positive. And I mean, I think it is really, really weird. Because I think, like, I'm kind of shocked because when he was first cast, I don't really think that there was that much apprehension, you know? I think a lot of people were kind of just like, yeah, he did Twilight. But everyone who knew him was like, this is a fantastic choice. Yeah. And, like, Oh, yeah, go. No, no, I was just thinking, like, everyone who's seen, like, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Pattinson movies, admittedly, but I know everyone who's seen Good Time and Lighthouse and all these other, you know, while he's known for Twilight, he's been doing so many indie films over the year that have been, like, big hits and shown off his acting range. So I think the the casting got a lot more positive reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's really weird because I think before BVS, I, I like, very, like, strictly remember people being like, oh, BVS is going to suck, BVS is going to suck, BVS is going to suck. Mostly on the Marvel side, and then it came out, and it's, it wasn't that great, in my opinion. But, like, <laughs> with this, it's really weird, because from all angles, everybody is just so excited for this movie. And it's really weird kind of seeing so many people hype for one thing at once, you know? Yeah, yeah, I was I was honestly shocked, because I can remember the day that the Batfleck pictures came out. It was, oh, he looks too fat. Oh, the logo is <laughs> huge. Oh, the suit looks terrible. Oh, he looks so dark. But with this one, it's just like everyone in all caps, like, oh, my God. Like, it's a little weird, actually, to see this overwhelming positivity coming from the comic community out of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I really definitely huge. Yeah, I I was really I'm really interested in the type of tone that the movie's going to be going for, because like the red light is not something I would have really expected for Batman. Um, 
like uh, I, I don't know it was it, when I saw it at first I was like it's a really odd choice for them to do like just him against the red light but I mean it just the suit looks so good it I'm it's really, I mean, I love, like, on the nose, um, for people that, if you can go look at it in a high enough definition, um, there's little leather stitching because it's such a new suit. Um, I think I think insiders have been saying that the movie's going to take place in his second year as Batman. So yeah. hopefully we won't be getting all of the, you know, oh, they're killed, you know, I swear on the grave of my parents to wage war on criminals. Because, I mean, I feel like that always is kind of what makes a lot of those movies really weak. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. Yeah, something I've always had in mind for a Batman trilogy is, like, give me, for the trilogy, Year One, Long Halloween, and Dark Victory. It's the perfect three, three you know, era story. I think it's so great how it's able to show, like, so much of the mythos, so much of, like, the villains and the city. And, you know, obviously you could add to those three stories to add a little bit more legacy impact. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact that it seems like these movies are going to be following that's those stories and Reeves, you know, has talked about how those are his favorite stories. I mean, that's huge. And, you know, I, I really think that we're going to be able to see a true form of that. And this is great. I mean, I'm just, I'm hyped. Um, as for the suit itself. So I think it's, I mean, obviously we don't really have a HD look at it. It's more of just like a, in a red tint. Uh, it looks good from what I could see. Um, the logo is interesting because it looks like, just like, kind of like a met, like doesn't really look like a bat just yet. I'm mm-hmm. guessing that it's going to be one of those things where it's like upgraded by the end of the movie. You know how they do those sometimes. Uh, yeah, and like, I think what I really, really liked about it is it's kind of it, it has when you can kind of see him move his shoulders a little, and when he's like moving around just slightly, it metal. The, I I really like that there's the metal plating on it, but the suit still looks really, really old fashioned. You know, yeah. it's like it's a mix. Um, someone said of like the animated series Noel and then the Arkham games. And I, yeah, I yeah, that. it's like exactly like that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I can definitely see the Arkham uh, series type suit. And uh, I've I've heard I, I don't know what the source is on this that the logo is made from the guns the gun that killed his parents. I don't know if there's any uh, there hasn't been validity substance to that. To that. Okay. But, I've seen it online a lot. I mean, it's believable based on the way it looks, but um, it, it's interesting. And that was actually one of the stories in Detective Comics 1000 where he where he uh, melts down the metal of the gun that killed his parents and makes it the logo. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping we get a little bit of an upgrade on the logo just because just I wasn't crazy about that. But the rest of the suit, you know, from what I've seen at least, looks really cool. He looks great in the Batman suit. His, his face, like, he's very, like, got a chiseled chin. Yeah, so. he looks like Batman. Even, yeah. like, in... in one of I think my kind of my only complaint with it is the fact that like we still are gonna see his eyes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I feel like it'd just be really cool to kind of have those white lenses or some type of lenses. Um, but I mean, like I'm like even just looking at it now, I'm looking and like the collar just looks so cool. He, it's oh, you so, like the collar? I really like the collar. Interesting. It, it's just it's I don't know. It's really weird because it's it's like a. Like I'm, I'm watching the video right now, and it's just, it's such a weird variation of the suit that I really wouldn't have expected to work as well as it did. Yeah, like I, I figured if someone told me that it would have looked like he would have had a collar and a metal bat signal symbol that didn't even look really like a bat, I'd probably be like, yeah, that's stupid. But like, it just, I don't, I, there's just something about it. I think that has this movie has so much momentum going for it that like they do anything, and it's just gonna garner this positive reaction. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the music in the background, by the way? That's supposed to be, uh, I forget the composer's name, but Michael something. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's his like Batman music playing in the background. It's a little snippet of it. Oh my God. I loved it. Um, I think it really, it really just helps set the tone. And I'm, I, I've, I mean, it is, it's really hard to kind of describe because it's just like everything about the camera test was perfect. I felt this way with the Joker camera test, felt this way with the I, I was, movie. I was going to say the same thing. I haven't felt like this since the Joker camera test where I was like, okay, this is going to be legit. Oh, really? I love the Birds of Prey camera test. I really like, I like, I thought it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was trying to think, wait, which one was it? I remember that now. Yeah. And that's what, like, I feel like this is also, it's setting, you know, setting kind of the stage for what we should expect in terms of hopefully tone, music, visuals. And I mean, if, if the rest of the movie is going to be having these kind of stark colors like this one, I'm very excited. Yeah. I mean, I was worried about the score at first because, uh, you know, you're following up. Hans Zimmer, who did the score for the the Dark Knight trilogy and Batman vs. Superman. And then you got Danny Elfman, who did the Batman 89 theme, which carried throughout the 90s. And, of course, Danny Elfman on the Batman the Animated Series. So you're following up two all-time greats on Batman. And it's like, all right, it's hard to set yourself apart from that. So, But it seems like, you know, this could be a legit score. And I'm I'm excited. I, I love soundtracks like that. I like to listen to them, uh, you know, like when I'm reading or studying or something. So... I think this could quickly become one that I listen to frequently. I'm I'm really excited for Battinson. I'm I haven't been on the hype train like everyone else has been. Like I feel like everyone else has been like ready since day one, basically since he got <laughs> cast and Matt Reeves was put on it. I was like, okay, you know, we'll see. I'm you know I'm I'm hyped for a Batman movie, but we'll see. But you know, I I think I'm ready to get on the hype train. I mean, this, <laughs> this seems legit. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same composer that does the MCU Spidey movies, and like I think it's really really funny. Because his, like, the themes for those are very lighthearted, you know? Like, a lot of it is very, like, more upbeat, more exciting. And so I was a little nervous because I was like, I really don't want this to be, like, a happy, cheery, like, score. Because I feel like, like, listening to Hans Zimmer's theme for The Dark Knight is it, there's such, like, you can have such a profound impact with the themes and how it affects kind of the movie. And I was really, I don't know, like, I, I think after the Ben Affleck Batman I feel bad because he just didn't have good material. And so mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm a little, I'm very excited, but I'm still kind of like, there's that little part of it that's like, okay, but what if it's bad? And so it's yeah. like, I, like, I like everything I've seen so far. But like, again, it's, I think like um, Spidey Central, Gavin said it. He was like, I hope they don't reuse the theme over and over and over, like MCU Spidey. Yeah. And I hope they don't either. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, I love it. And like, I've just been watching the video a ton. And it's yeah. just like, Everything about it, just the fact that there's he moves his shoulders and it's not all one piece. It's just different armor platings. He looks a lot like an like the Arkham version, kind of alive a little. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I just I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see where this goes. I think it's got a lot of potential, and you know, I trust Reeves to do the right thing. I think he's made some you know very great movies, so I hope he could bring that magic to Batman. And yeah, it'll be great to have a good Batman film again. I mean, it's been. The last time we had a solo Batman film was 2012, which is crazy yeah. enough. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready for another one. I hope it's good. And, you know, I hope we get the full family this time. It would be nice to get some Robins going on in there. And, you know, I, I think this really has potential. I, I always said that if DC wanted to beat Marvel, really the only way I see it happening is going through your legacy characters. Because the one thing you have that Marvel doesn't is great legacy characters. Marvel has a few that are good young heroes, but DC blows them out of the water. So... You know, I, I really want to see that universe feeling and, you know, 
if they could ever get like the Teen Titans running and Titans, I, I just really feel like they could dominate in the movies because I, I really feel like stuff like that could do well. So it all starts with getting some Robins going. I, I think that could be a big hit and keep Batman fresh on the big screen. Yeah, I kind of I mean, I really expect it to happen really soon, honestly, because Marvel's really going to it seems like they're laying the groundwork for Young Avengers right now. They, they um, 100 percent are. And so it's like and it's really funny because it's I love I love the Young Avengers, but I love every single DC teen character like hundreds of times more. I'm oh. way more invested in their way. I mean, they have more stories and a lot more better stories. Like the Young Avengers have some really good stories, but like it's um, it just kind of not to say it sucks that we're getting them because I'm really excited, but it sucks that we're getting them so far ahead of like what you said, what DC strong suit is, which is its legacy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always thought, like, if you could have had, like, you know, a Batman trilogy and a Flash trilogy, which leads into the Dick Grayson and Wally West trilogy, like, I, I you know, I just feel like that would be unstoppable because you'd already have the fan support behind you and then you'd be building onto the characters that could be even better. Like, it's just and you have so much source material to work with for those legacy characters. So, you know, I, I think definitely if they could get it, you know, it really all starts with the Robins. That was the biggest problem with having Ben Affleck as Batman. If yeah. he's if he's 45 to 48 and the Flash is 22, you know, that means Robin's the same age as the Flash. Like it just it doesn't work. So I think you know, I think for sure we're going to get a Robin. Like I, I, I feel like if it's if it's not this movie, which I don't think it will be, I think it's for sure going to be the second one. Like you can't cast a 20 year old as Batman. And then not do the Robins, you know, especially because we've had so much like because now I think especially after the Batman and Robin movies, there's kind of a public stigma on it. Um, And I think Reeves or even probably Pattinson, anyone who's read the comics is able to see like how cool the characters are and how much story opportunity there is. Because I feel like I I like Batman, but I mean, like his like the Dark Knight, I think, could have been a completely different beast in a good way if it had an inclusion of like an actual Robin. Yeah, I mean, for those who don't follow Caleb on Instagram, he's a true intellectual who knows the powers <laughs> of Tim Drake and knows how great that run is. So I always said that, like, Tim Drake's introduction would make such a great movie. Like, oh God, reading yeah. that when I was younger and reading that now, it just it feels so cinematic, and I could see it easily being done on the screen. So, you know, I, I'd love to get some of the Robins going on the big screen. I think that would truly be great. And, you know, I, I think... You know, I don't want them to take the root of the DC animated movie universe where it's like Dick and Damien only or the the Tim verse where it's Dick and Tim only like show us the full Robin set. It could really be done over the course of a few movies and it could really be cool and it could, you know, propel your movies further because I think that a guy like Dick Grayson or a guy like Tim Drake will be popular enough in the movies to get spinoff movies or spinoff shows. So, and oh, what I would do for a Tim Drake show on HBO max. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) So, so that's, that's pretty much our reaction to the Battenson pictures. Very excited to see what comes next. And I think now that the suit has been seen, we're going to be getting a lot more in the next few weeks or months or so of, them filming outside and um, i'm excited for when we get that first teaser trailer yeah same <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna destroy the internet now now for the news that uh destroyed the internet in a different way uh <laughs> you remember that event called dark knight's metal from 2017 to 2018 it started out as six issues of scott snyder being scott snyder and then all of a sudden it had 37 tie-in issues and ran across the whole dc universe and led to no justice and justly League. Yeah, you remember that event well it's getting a sequel <laughs> 
which has been teased for a while now. I remember, did you watch the interview with Scott Snyder on Comic Storian at all from like a few months ago? Actually, so I watched it. It was like a two hour interview. It took forever to watch. But when I was watching it, I'm like, Snyder sounds like he's talking about a metal two here. And a few months later, here we are. So uh, in, in the teaser for DC, the, the, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo have been teasing it all week where they started with a Wonder Woman who has the chainsaw of truth, which is basically just a giant metal chainsaw. Then recently we got a Superman with really long hair and a doomsday type arm. And then now we got Batman with a, uh, I don't know, like a sickle, I guess. It's like a big. It's hard to like explain. It's just he's like. He's on a motorcycle. He looks like the Grim Reaper on a motorcycle, essentially, with a bat suit. But the and, motorcycle uh, has bones. I feel like that's really important because yeah. it's metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Metal 2, which is going to be conveniently called Dark Knight's, uh, what, Death Metal, death. <laughs> uh, is coming. Yeah, this is this is terrible. So, um, coming soon is the sequel to Metal. Uh, now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know how Hunter and I feel about Metal. I would say Caleb's in the same boat as us, and Caleb, I, I think actually Hunter and I support, you know, are more into Scott Snyder work than Caleb is. Uh, it's <laughs> as as big as a Snyder fan as I am. I think New Fifty Two Batman's awesome. I I like the Justice League run. I thought Metal was terrible. I thought Metal was over convoluted, confusing, led to nothing. Batman Who Laughs got overrated so quickly, and I feel like we're getting that all wrapped into a nice sequel right here. So, um, yeah, it's it's coming soon. It's going to be a six-issue series, but I'm sure that being a metal series, it's going to have 37 tie-ins again, and it's going to be absolutely bonkers. So, uh, yeah, it looks like the Batman Who Laughs is going to be coming back. Now, something Caleb said when we DM'd about this in our group chat is that it seems like Scott Snyder doesn't really finish things so yeah. <laughs> you want to you want to explain that a little bit because I, I i thought you made a really good point there <clears throat> yeah like and i really i really do like his batman run um but it is it's really interesting when you like lay out the way his like arc goes because it starts off with like batman and then it goes a little and then it's like okay here's um shoot what came right after i think it was pretty much metal right yeah it was well he had um all-star batman in the beginning yeah of the yeah yeah really short but yeah yeah and then it hit metal and it was like this is our big batman story it's our culmination of everything and it was super like everywhere it was like this is this is the scott snyder batman story and then it was it came out and like jd said it just ended and it was like okay like well now to continue the end of metal the end of metal is actually in no justice which then spins into justice league which also spins into justice league dark and it's like we all like last night on earth too and um for the batman it, who laughs miniseries with yeah. the, the grim night batman one shot which also tied yeah it, it's it's essentially like i have a story but i want a million tie-ins i want a few spin-off series and we're gonna keep doing this and it's like okay this is this is really like spinning out of control. And I mean, part of the problem with metal is that it, it was so convoluted for a mm-hmm. six issue series. I think if you just read the six issues, you'd be completely lost because <laughs> with, without the tie-ins and it, I mean, it literally tied into like every book. So it, it was just like too much. I think for any reader, maybe if they made like a big omnibus, I don't know. I, I just think the concept of metal is really wacky. The evil Batman who are like Batman, justice league mixes so you have like the red death is the batman and flash mix and uh i think the drowned is the batman aquaman mix right like 
I guess there's some interesting stories of that, but it almost comes off like a fanfic, you know? <laughs> no, it literally, when I think about it, I can, like, I feel like you could summarize everything with just by saying, like, it's pretty much what you would expect comics or comic story to kind of read to you. Yeah. Like, it is just, like, this colossal, like, and then jo- there's Joker dragons. And it's, like, yeah. <laughs> where, and it's really weird because it's, like, you look at Scott Snyder's Batman run and why it's praised is because it's grounded. It's gritty. It's yeah. detective work. And then the metal is just a complete 180. And then Justice League, like, reels it all back in. And then we go back to metal again. Yeah. And it's, like, um, one of my things, I'm looking at an interview with uh, the pair right now. And I think it was, was it Scott who said this? Uh, yeah, Scott pretty much said, like, um, there's like, where is it? Uh, the other thing I need to say is that it doesn't just connect Justice League. The goal is to connect everything. Batman, Metal, Justice League. Um, so stories like Doomsday Clock has a huge connection to this. Event Leviathan has a huge connection to this. DC Universe Rebirth, uh, the New 52. And it's just like, why? Because, I mean, even... I think part of my real frustration with death metal is it's like Doomsday Clock was supposed to be the end-all be-all statement that will change everything moving forward. And then it's like, okay, no, that's actually going to be death metal. And it's like, I I mean, I I think kind of one of the things I also said that was one of my big frustrations when we were DMing was like all of the characters, like you look at Batman, like in Tom King's Batman run, it's a romance. There's all those things going on. You look at Superman or like the Wonder Woman stories and they're all normal. And then out of nowhere, they get super hardcore and super like metalhead and gritty and stuff. And it's really wacky. And then it ends and no one references it again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. And the idea that Batman who laughs is like the most powerful oh, villain God. in the DC universe is absolutely mind boggling to me. I mean, like, I, I remember when they had the DC Nation magazine for a little bit, which sadly, actually, I think got canceled. But uh, they had the DC Nation magazine, and it was like, oh, Batman Who Laughs is the most powerful villain. He's more powerful than Darkseid, and he's more powerful than Mongol, and a bunch of, like, these other powerhouse villains. And I'm just like, oh, uh, okay, this seems odd. And, I mean, I don't know if you read the Batman Who Laughs miniseries. I, honestly... I, I was lost. Like, t- I couldn't tell you what the plot is of it. I mean, literally all I could tell you is Batman who laughs is messing around, killing other Batman. Batman, for some reason, can't stop him, and he's becoming him for some reason. And it ends with nothing? I mean, it essentially leads into the uh, Hell Horizon uh, comic that James Tinion's writing currently. So it's another one of those things where it's like, we can't end it. We have to keep moving it to oh, the next thing. It goes into Batman Superman, too. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and Batman Superman, yeah, that connects directly from that. So it, it just kind of feels like, it, you know, this whole thing has gotten so convoluted with the Batman Who Laughs that it's really not grounded anymore. I mean, Batman Who Laughs should not be like a multiversal threat, but he's yeah. become that. And and I think like, like I, I, and I don't like, I think both of us kind of agree Scott's a really good writer. Like, yeah, yeah, like I think, I think the guy is a really good writer. And I also think like, with this, a lot of the metal stuff, it's really, I mean, in all honesty, it's not for me, you know? Like, I think anyone who follows no, my not, account. It's, it's definitely not for me <laughs> either. And, I, and I'm, I would honestly say, like, you know, I'm more of a Snyder fan, like a more friendly mm-hmm. to Snyder-type work. But, yeah, metal's not for me at all. I, I find metal boring in all honestly, in all honesty. Because you're right, like, the way you said it, like, how the characters aren't like that in any other books other than in metal. Like, yeah, it, it feels very out of natural for the characters. And I'm not all into the, like... Batman riding a dragon while it says Quatazakum <laughs> back in the background. That's so awesome. Like that that's not me. That's not the fan I've been. So 
you know, to see all this is like it's a little too much. And it, it really does to me, honestly, call, come off fan fictiony a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think like I feel like you can really I, I, I think when you look at who really likes metal and who really doesn't. I would say that a lot of the people that I think, and I don't mean, this isn't like, of course, for everybody, um, but a lot of the people that I do talk to that really are like, yeah, I don't like metal, metal's not my thing, are people that like, I feel like read a little bit more consistently. Because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot more casual readers really like metal. Uh, I, I think I can kind of see it in like Scott's comment section. Um, oh, oh, 100%. I, or, I think the Snyder stands, not mm-hmm. to be confused with the other Snyder stands, <laughs> but the, the Scott Snyder stands are like, we'll read anything that has Scott Snyder or Greg Capullo's name on it, and like, that's it. That's all mm-hmm. they'll read. So it's like, I'm stuck with reading the repercussions in Batman, Superman, and, and you know, all these other titles while they're just reading, you know, Metal, Metal 2, and, you know, uh, Batman Who Laughs miniseries. So it's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and, like, like I'm even, I'm looking at Comic Savior, or Comic Storian's account right now, and, like, his Forever Evil, The Justice League is Dead video has 420,000 views. His Dark Knight's DC Metal, The Batman Invasion, has 2.4 million views. Yeah. Like, people, like, people obviously like it. But I mean, I, I really can't just see the appeal and I try and I try and say, like, I see why people like that, but it's just like, I, I don't know, man. It, it's so like, I feel like the, the Batman who laugh really kind of epitomizes everything wrong with people who like, who like it, it. I think the Batman who laugh is kind of essentially the, okay, but Batman can kill anybody with prep time argument. Yeah. And like anyone who reads Batman consistently kind of rolls their eyes at that. And it's like just the embodiment of that statement. You know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, the Batman who laughs, like, outsmarting everyone in the DC universe. <laughs> and, like, it, it's just, like, bizarre to me how he's able to run around. Like, at one point, he's locked up in the Justice League Watchtower. And then Lex Luthor lets him out for some reason and makes a deal with him, which ends up getting broken. And uh, just, like, the lack of continuity in DC. Like, I don't know when anything's happening. Like, mm-hmm. the Batman who laughs miniseries is supposed to be set while King's run is going on and while Tomasi's detective is going on and while Batman Superman's like, it, it's, it's a lot going on all at the same time. So it just comes off a lot of the time as cheesy, how the character is written and how that affects the DC universe also comes off as cheesy. So I, I just think that this metal sequel, not definitely not for me. I honestly don't even plan to read it because like I said, I, I read metal one. I read the tie-ins. I just, I, I don't get the appeal. I think, you know, yeah, there's the cool moments of like, oh, wow, Batman and the Flash mixed up Red Death. That's a really cool design. Oh, that seems interesting. Oh, oh wait, he's got him on the front of his Batmobile and he's going into a lightning storm. Never mind. <laughs> so so I, I just don't think it's for me. I just don't see myself reading this just because like, listen, I like Scott Snyder. I like, you know, a lot of his work, but it's just it, it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. And um, is is this like a tie in to Year of the Villain at all? I, I <laughs> to, honestly, to me at this point, you're the villain seems so pointless. Is, and I think you're the villain hurt so many books. Like I, I, I personally think flash was impacted almost the most by it because flash had the plan this year to do Godspeed and paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Explore that. It said at the end of flash annual two, this will be explored throughout 2019. And then all of a sudden you're the villain came. So I was like, all right, we got to do a very long rogue story about captain cold working with Lex Luthor. And you know, we're going to – I mean I personally thought they wrote him very out of character and wrote the rogues out of character to fit in with that. And now they're finally getting back to the Paradox stuff all this time later. Now we're in 2020. So 2019 slipped. And I think that happened to a lot of books where Year of the Villain kind of clashed with what they were trying to do. 
where they had to dedicate pages to the whole nonsense Martian Lex Luthor thing. Yeah, and like, like I, I think like you said, like Flash just in general has just kind of been getting hurt by DC in general. Like, I mean, the Flash 750 is the next issue that's coming out, you know? Yeah. And I guarantee Williamson before that was announced that he was that the numbering was going to be changing had a plan to have the like a big really cool flash 100 issue and oh, now that's, that's uh, going to be that's just going to be issue 761 you know yeah. and it's like i feel bad for the guy because like again like you said with it, it getting derailed because of rogue rain um it really wouldn't like i mean it does the book even when it tries not to like it it has to address heroes in crisis eventually and it, it has um, but it's like, we still haven't even seen the aftermath of that because like the book is getting thrashed all over the place by other books, you know? Yeah. It must've been like 10 issues ago where Iris was said something yeah. like, she said something like, oh, we need to talk about Lolly. And then Barry's like, no, not right now. Like I need to take care of this. And then it spun into like between the black flash and Hunter Solomon and rogues reign. It's just like, he hasn't had time to get back to it. It's just like. Um, you know, you got to keep your readers in the loop about this. It's been a long time now. Heroes of Crisis seems to be in the rear window, especially with, you know, Dr. Manhattan Wally thing. So <laughs> I don't I don't think it'll get addressed. I think I don't think anyone's ever going to mention in the Flash book that Wally killed people because I think it'll probably get reversed with Wally becoming Dr. Manhattan. Um, but it's like we I feel like that would have been something really, really interesting to see the characters grapple with. And then just to have it because I like the real pressing thing is going to be like, holy shit, Wally is blue, you know? And yeah. Well, I, I would have loved for like a one shot type issue. I mean, not even like a one shot, like a one issue arc type thing where it's just kind of like how Batman Pennyworth R.I.P. was written, like mm -hmm. in the perspective of different people. Like it could have been like almost like an intervention for Wally between the various Flash family members mm -hmm. and like how, you know, Wally's had an impact on their life and how what happened he in Heroes in Crisis. Up. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really think that could have been way more powerful than, you know, oh, we're going to address this later. Uh, maybe not, you know, all these <laughs> issues later. And yeah, you're right. I mean, there's it, it seems to be no sign of ever getting to that. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just you know I'm I'm really frustrated with that. But that's the state of DC, and Metal Two seems to be taking over. So oh boy, prepare yourselves for the <laughs> uh, blast of posts and everything like that. But um, that's pretty much it for the news. Um, the the next week in Batman, the new villain's going to appear, uh, which is going to be like the Joker's gr new girlfriend punchline. So I'm very interested to see where that goes. It'll be cool to. Own a first appearance, so if she becomes big like Harley Quinn one day, I will own her first appearance. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's really weird in like now being a comic reader when like these characters are being made. Like, yeah, I, I like I mean for me growing up and reading like Harley Quinn has been a comic character because I wasn't around you know when she was created for the animated series. Yeah, uh, and so it's like. I like we have no idea of punchline or paradox or like I think I think of all of the characters that have been created recently I think Godspeed's gonna have probably the most staying power. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the biggest one, unfortunately, is Batman Who Laughs. Oh um, yeah, no, so, that's so, true. So he first appeared. He didn't even appear in like metal or anything. He first appeared in Teen Titans number twelve. Right, so if you were just randomly reading the Teen Titans run at that point, you have Godspeed. I mean, Godspeed, Batman Who Last First Appearance, which has been skyrocketed from being a three dollar issue to being like one hundred and fifty dollars, which is oh insane to me. God. Of course, I dropped Teen Titans like 
maybe like four issue issues 11. before that. <laughs> so I didn't miss it by much. I never failed to miss the big issues like that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I agree that Godspeed, <laughs> Godspeed will be staying around for a while. And I think his worth is going to go up, especially with, you know, he, he appeared in live action. I think he'll be having a bigger role in the show at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, between this arc with Paradox and I, I think he's got a big future with The Flash. So I'm interested um, but yeah, so we're, we're going to make our way to the comics of the week because, uh, we had some big ones this week. Um, so typically Hunter and I do like a pick of the week and cover of the week. So we pick like our favorite comic of the week and our favorite cover of the week. Um, I, I think my pick and cover of the week are probably Batman Pennyworth RIP. I thought the cover was beautiful with Alfred, uh, standing above, uh, like a Batman who's looking down mm-hmm. and like depressed at the graves of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Uh, I think it's a very powerful cover. And I thought the issue itself was really good, even though I did have problems with it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. My, uh, I think, yeah, like you said, pick of the week is, has to be Pennyworth RIP, but I really, before all of like the DC stuff got slapped on it, I really liked the cover for Superman heroes. Like, it's really funny. Cause like looking at it now, the H goes directly on Tim. Like, you can barely see them because it's just slapped on there. But before, yeah. it was really, really cool, just the glasses and then all of the different legacy characters just looking up at Superman. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, anyway, let's let's start with uh, Batman Pennyworth R.I.P. because that was the big issue of the week. Mm-hmm. So um, essentially, this issue goes through uh, the Bat family members reacting to Alfred's death. And what I, what I liked is Bruce opens a children's hospital with Alfred's statue, like, in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, like, named after him and everything. So it's a nice, like, little dedication to him. And uh, we get to see – I think the art itself, especially in the first few pages, tells such a great story with the body language shown from all the Bat family members just, like, being sad. Like, even somebody like Rick Grayson is shown being very sad even though, you know, he obviously doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And – um I didn't read Nightwing Annual 2. Is he back as Nightwing now? Because I see it says uh, issue takes place prior to the events of Nightwing Annual 2. Did no, you read that one? but he starts in Annual 2. I think it's Annual 2 or it's one of the recent issues because I posted it. Um, He ended up start. He starts to get his memory back. Or wait, is Annual 2 the one where he? No, no. I think Annual 2 is the one where they go over uh, like when he became yeah, yeah that's what it is. Uh, Pretty much the court, <laughs> the court of Owls is making him Rick Grayson. Uh, because the, like, one of, I think it is, and I really hope I'm getting this right, but I think what happened was one of the doctors, one of the best doctors that Batman hired to help Dick, uh, is on the Court of Owls, and so, like, the story that's leading in there is he's becoming a Talon, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, wait, is, I don't even know, honestly, I think, I thought it was the one where, because he's starting to get his memories back, essentially. Okay. Is, yeah. Yeah, I haven't kept up with Nightwing in so long, so I had no idea what was happening. But um, a- anyway, um, so we we they go to the uh, to like a bar type area, and they Tim like checks it all for bugs to make sure they could have the area really to themselves, and they could really just to- talk about Alfred and toast to Alfred. So uh, Rick goes to make Jason Todd a drink, and they kind of go at it a little bit because he uh, Rick refers to Alfred as the Butler, and obviously you know without the memories he doesn't know who it is, but. Uh, him, they're going at it and, you know, they're like, Alfred wouldn't want this, you know, enough and is enough. So then they start to break into stories of, you know, how Alfred impacted all their lives and, you know, kind of like their best memory, like you would at like a funeral. 
Um, Damien's best memory of him was really nice, uh, where Damien was punished and wasn't allowed to go out, but he still went out. And uh, Batman ends up catching him out out in the public, but it's actually Alfred in the bat suit. And you know, Alfred decides not to tell Bruce about this, but you know, he still got to serve his punishment. It's like a nice little short story, and it's just like, okay, you know, Damien and Alfred have a special relationship, especially in the beginning when between Damien and Bruce, it was really rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like m- my favorite part right after is like pretty much Damien like storming out and feeling really guilty. Because I wasn't, I was expecting this to be a lot more of like a cheerful issue. Like I knew it was going to be sad, obviously, but I really like, I mean, him saying like Damien saying like I forced Bane's hand, the hand that snapped snapped Alfred's neck. I can still hear it, and then running away, like and Bruce just sitting there, is like really not where I was expecting it to go. But I'm really like, I love the issue, and I'm really I'm excited to see where the Bat family goes. And like, Damien's memory of Alfred was really really cute. I love the art. Um, I think that person did Batman Inc. in New 52, right? Yeah, well, I, I didn't know what it was, but yeah, that the, the art really does look familiar, so it might be. But yeah, and then uh, right after that was Tim's, which, uh, I mean, I liked. I really, I, it doesn't, I don't know if he's Red Robin anymore or if he's Robin anymore, because in Tinian's run, it literally recreated the panel of him, like, stepping out in the Robin suit. And then this one, it was like three months after and he's already Red Robin. But then in the GCPD room, it says Robin's weapons instead of Red Robin's. It's, the the lack of continuity is clear. And it's funny because didn't Tenion help write this issue? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, so, so in the New 52, it was controversial because they pretty much erased Tim being Robin. He went like straight to Red Robin, which fans hated, I think us included, because... What the hell? He's like the best Robin. Yeah. And then Rebirth was kind of just like, oh, no, he was Robin. Kind of. We're not going to be very clear on it, but he's Robin. So like, OK, things are good again. And now in this story, it's supposed to be three months into Tim's run as a hero. And he's already in the red Robin suit. But as Caleb said, later in the issue, uh, Alfred steals him some Robin goodies and they're labeled Robin's weapons. So. Yeah, th- this was a very odd, like, continuity-type issue. But it was nice to see Tim and Alfred had, like, a another special bond where it was, like, Alfred was able to help him, you know, behind everyone else's back. And it was just between the two of them. But it obviously made a big impact in Tim's early career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, while I thought his story was a little bit weak, um, I think probably, honestly, I think it might have been the weakest out of all of them. Uh, I think, like, his after his statement right after is probably the best um where he's pretty much telling bruce like i saved you when you were in a time like this you know i i stepped up and i was there for you and became robin after jason died and he's like i will be here for you again he's like i can move back to the manor i can do all of these things to help we can be a team again but i need you to like need my help and bruce is pretty much just like no he's like he's like i'm not wait he says no tim i'm not gonna ask you to do that and Tim pretty much just is like, okay, fine. And he's like, you know, I, I was worried that when we lost Alfred, we lost you too. And he just leaves. And it's, I thought it was really like, I think for the guy who, I think even Jason called him earlier, pretty much a kiss ass to Batman. It, it really is kind of just showing how far he's breaking. Oh yeah, 100%. And yeah, I think it was a great showing of that. Um, I, you're right. Like the story itself was kind of weak, but the after effect kind of made up for it. So 
Uh, that was really good. Uh, and that leads right into the Jason story after all of that. And uh, he calls Alfred his favorite pain in the ass, which is like a nice, you know, I, I've honestly never been a big Jason Todd fan. I've, I, I don't know what it is. I can't get into the character enough. I've read Red Hood in the New 52 and a little bit in Rebirth. And I don't know. I've just never been big into the character himself. But I think this was a nice little story about how him and Alfred teamed up. Um, Alfred comes to visit him in his apartment and brings by some food and, you know, jokes that you can't live on mac and cheese. I mean, it feels like your parent visiting you at college <laughs> and, uh, he decides to team up with Red Hood when he's actually fighting. So Red Hood's like held hostage. And then all of a sudden a Batmobile comes crashing in and it's Alfred driving. So, um, it's a pretty nice scene of the two of them working together. And, uh, Alfred says that you could always count on family and it's like, yeah, that, that was really nice. And, you know, Jason kind of just walks out, but uh, he pretty much puts Bruce on the spot. Like, you got to work through this. So uh, yeah. it, it was interesting. And then really that leads to Barbara criticizing Bruce right away. I, I was surprised all the criticism of Bruce in this issue. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier. I don't know if I was able to get that across. But yeah, it was like it. It, it was like. Everybody just pointing at him. It was just like, grow up, stop, like, get over this with us. Don't shut us all out, you know? Yeah. Um, Not what I was expecting. I was expecting this issue to just be like a tribute to Alfred, like, you know, some of the favorite memories with him. I didn't expect, like, the deep emotional impact on, you know, what is it on Bruce and mm -hmm. how is Bruce taking this and how did the family react to how Bruce is taking it? Yeah. And I think, like, that's what really, I think that's why I really liked Barbara's part probably the most overall. Oh, interesting. Um, because I think, like, to an extent, she even, she's, like, she talked about how he wasn't, he went, like, it's kind of his fault, you know? He went to a beach when Alfred died. He was, like, Bane was overrun, and he wasn't there. He wasn't living there when people were being hurt. Um, he, uh, what was it? He, she says, you know, like, this city's becoming unrecognizable, and it talks about, like, the Grim Knight, Batman Who Laughs, um, how many killers have been running around this place wearing a Batman costume over this last year? She even talks about how her dad got taken by the Batman Who Laughs. Um, and she's pretty much just talking to Bruce and kind of yelling at him. And he's just sitting there, I think, obviously remorseful. But, like, she just, he's hes pretty much shut down. And she picks up a glass and throws it and just yells and says, you know, damn it, Bruce, just react to something. And I yeah. think it's, I think I am really... Like, I'm really interested to kind of see because I don't think we've really seen the family in this type of dynamic before. Like, when, yeah. when Damien died, um, I posted it a while ago, but there was a moment with Tim where he comes back to the cave and is super sad and is pretty much saying goodbye to Damien mentally. But Alfred is still there and Alfred comforts him. Um, and it's like there's no one there to comfort each other. And they're all looking to Bruce. And I mean, he's a guy with a lot of trauma um, who I don't think is really able to deal with this in the same way uh everyone else can you know yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think that was really on full showcase this issue um surprisingly my favorite part of this issue was probably the rick grayson side it was um, really good i'll say that was really good i liked barbara's kind of i liked how pissed she was i think is why i liked it so much but i i think that yeah the rick grayson one was super just really really well done yeah, so uh, Rick Rick and uh, Bruce are talking, and Rick is kind of just like, oh, well, I don't really remember him, but, you know, what story would I have told if, you know, I had my memories? And Bruce starts to tell the story that there's no contest. The story you definitely would have to told was the one that you always tell. And it's Nightwing uh, sp basically spying on Alfred after Alfred is uh, leaving. 
and uh, Alfred goes to the place where the Waynes were killed, and he leaves roses. And Nightwing comes down, and he's like, hey, can I catch a ride with you? And, you know, let's go get uh, something to eat. And uh, they're talking, and he's like, why did you leave the flowers where his parents were killed? They weren't, like, it's not the anniversary of them dying. And uh, he says that he leaves it on the day that they got married because he wants to celebrate the joy and the good that they brought to Gotham, which the good that they brought to Gotham truly was Bruce because though they though they died a horrible death without them, so many more thousands would have died in Gotham without Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a really powerful story of, you know, Alfred and Bruce's connection and Alfred and Dick's connection that he was able to open up to Dick like this and, uh, you know, tell him all about it and Dick being able to understand. And then uh, it ends with Batman coming down and seeing the flowers at at the site. And, uh, you know, we end with a nice bonding moment between Dick and Bruce. And, uh, yeah, he tells him the story of what happened and they kind of just go off flying. You know, they, he even says, like, thank you for sharing that with me. And uh, he's like, no need to thank me, Bruce. Go home and thank Alfred. Like, I thought that was a really great ending. Yeah, and then, I mean, um, it really, like, I I was kind of expecting, because the book, like, right after that was kind of, I, like, really, I thought the saddest part was it's just, like, a four-panel page of Bruce getting up because Rick puts a picture up on the yeah. wall, and Bruce gets up, and it's just, like, literally him just holding it, tearing up. And then it's just a picture of the Bat family and he's just like to Alfred toasting to him. And I mean, like it, this issue was fantastic in my, like, I, I really, it really outdid itself. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I, I was surprised how much this impacted me. Cause I've, I was saying, I think a while ago on the podcast, that I'm, I'm still kind of like in denial of Alfred's <laughs> death. Uh, you know, with comic deaths nowadays, it kind of just feels like, okay, whatever. They'll be back in a few weeks, but with this one, it's just like, okay, it still hasn't fully hit me that, you know, he's gone. So, you know, to read this issue, it's like, okay, he's he's gone. And, uh, yeah, this was this was a pretty powerful, uh, you know, story. I just, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was, I mean, like, I, I really, it really set up a really interesting dynamic for the Bat family. Um, and, like, everything that I've been reading Batman related so far has kind of been under the like looming threat of 5g um and so it's like this is some pretty deep wounds that are like going to be hitting batman joker war is going to be starting up i know king said that there was going to be a big batman story this year and that's probably it um obviously the family is going to be affected and i i'm my fear is that they won't be able to do a long enough emotionally effective enough moment when the family ultimately reunites and if they do like i don't want it to be literally the family reunites and bruce is like i'm sorry and then it's like oh okay he's by like he's gone luke fox is batman now like yeah you know but yeah i mean like in in the moment in the story i it was just i think it was probably the perfect way to send off alfred yeah yeah 100 that last page you know definitely hits different when you know, you read oh the entire issue, and then you get to that, and it's just like, holy crap. And you and you look at Alfred smiling in the picture, too, and it's just so sad. Yeah, being, like, the center of the picture, it's it's very nice. And, uh, yeah, he's, you know, Alfred's really dead, and it's hitting all of us as much <laughs> as it's hitting the Bat family. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, fuck, I really, I don't know where each of the books are going to go now. But I'm I'm excited. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. I mean, I, you know, I think there's definitely stories to be told and, you know, I'm really excited for like this story just made me miss Nightwing even more. Like mm-hmm. uh, like that was a really cool Nightwing story and it's been a while since I've read one of those. So, uh, you know, I I'm 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 really hoping that his return and you know, they said it was going to happen during Tinian's Batman run. I'm really hoping his return is worth it and you know, it's been a while since we've seen him. So, you know, I think I, you know, I think we disagree a little bit on on Nightwing Rebirth, where I, I think it was pretty good in the beginning. I liked the Tim Seeley stuff, and you know, the writer change I think hurt it the most because mm-hmm. it went through so many writer changes. But I think in the beginning it was at least consistently good, and then all of a sudden it fell off really hard. And then obviously you got the Rick era, so it's just like it, it's been a while since we got a good Nightwing, mm-hmm. and yeah. I need you know yeah. to get back to that. <laughs> so yeah, it's weird because like I. I'm a very big proponent of like let stories happen no matter what. And I, I'm like, I'm happy Rick Grayson happened because I think for everybody in general, I think it really showed how important Nightwing is. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I, I think like this, in a sense, there's been a big hole in like DC in general. And I think a lot of it is like, I, I think you can just really attribute it to Dick. You know, he's, I, I, even when I was going back and reading some of the earlier stuff recently, um, the way he, he acts, everything about him is, it's very, it, it's, uh, it's really everything that the Bat family isn't right now. And so I'm really excited because I hope that him coming back can heal something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Um, this is, it, it, it just shows that we need Nightwing back. And a story yeah. <laughs> like this just reminds me that, like, man, I really miss Nightwing. So, uh, Pennyworth RIP definitely did his job. I mean, I, I definitely give this like a nine out of 10 comic. I, I think, you know, with a few continu- continuity issues aside, this was really good. Yeah, I think I feel the exact same. So, uh, anyway, uh, so the Flash 88, um, we got our first real look at Paradox. And, uh, yeah, but apparently we've seen him before in the Flash year one. Uh, I think it's the Flash number 78. There's like an exact parallel of the scene that happens when he runs into Paradox. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I saw somebody post it online. I should probably make a post of it at some point. Uh, you know, supposed to be the biggest Flash account. I should probably cover these types <laughs> of things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, I, my, my biggest thing with this issue is that it felt so rushed. Yeah. So we had the Rogue's Reign story, which I thought went on way too long. And then... We're like, all right, you know what? Finally, we're going to get to Paradox. You know, the end of last issue had old man Barry, like, dying in front of Barry and warning him about Paradox. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is going to be great. This entire issue goes through, like, Paradox's history of how he started out as, like, a regular family man, became obsessed with his work, really went into his work where he would end up living in his work, lost his family, started to look different. And, I mean, this all takes course over this entire issue it's so much happening at once. I mean, in the course of five pages, you go from him being with his family to him being this huge blue monster. <laughs> so I, I just, you know, I really felt like the whole paradox origin. I, I, I think, you know, I go back to the Jeff John school of villainry. <laughs> the best villains are the ones that are built up. Yeah. I mean, Hunter Zolomon, we saw him for like 20 issues in i mean maybe 20 is an overstatement but 15 issues in jeff's run before he became zoom so when he turns to zoom you're like holy crap i feel everything that's happening Mm -hmm. and and i think you know jeff does that on a lot of his villains so you know the the problem williamson had with godspeed was we don't really know him as august and all of a sudden he's godspeed i feel nothing oh no no he's best friend though 
Yeah, yeah, he's Barry's best friend, and it's more uh, talked about than it's actually shown, <laughs> which is the biggest problem. I mean, Godspeed was taken care of, set and done in like seven issues, and you know, I'm worried the same thing's going to happen to Paradox. I mean, this entire origin issue really could have stretched out between two minimum, maybe three issues, or at least like I felt like it could have even at least been reworked, like to where the guy maybe helped Barry out in year one and then just disappeared. Or something yeah. like it, and I know I can. I it's really frustrating because it's like a a character like this just kind of feels less of a character and more like okay, this is how Williamson is gonna go through the Flash's legacy and show us all these different cool things, and we're gonna have a fun nostalgia trip. Um, and I mean, I I'm excited for that, but it's like again, like <laughs> there's really no character to Paradox. No, there's nothing to him. So it's... I felt like like him him becoming a monster to his family. I was just like, okay, flip page. Like, I was, I was like, yeah, who is this? I was like, I don't know these people. When when we see Hunter Zolomon's origin, and he's you know he loses the his father in law and actually divorces him for it, right? You feel all that. So when he finally loses his ability to walk from Grodd, you're like, holy crap! I'm emotionally invested in this character. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for him. With Paradox, I'm just like, okay, another generic villain, flip, flip, another generic villain. Okay, the issue's over. Holy crap. That was his whole origin. Like, you're you're right. It would have been – if you're going to tie it into year one, tease it a lot in year one, not to the point where it's obvious, but to the point where he has some, you know, relevance. Like, he was in year one, but it was just really just like an, a passing panel where he bumped into him. So, you know, I, I just think that this was weakly written yeah. in the sense that it was just rushed. And for this, I would have cut Rogue's reign, you know, almost entirely if if I needed more buildup for this character. I mean, in Flash 50, when he's let out, he's talking, he's giving this big speech about how, you know, the Flash family has impacted him and how they'll pay for what they've done to him and they'll never lock him up like that again. I, I don't get those vibes that I got in Flash 50 in this issue. Well, I also I reread Annual 2 recently and it it seemed like everything Godspeed was doing I think it even is like an exact quote of um, him like telling Barry, like, trust me, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm doing this for the greater good. And then the last page is literally the multiverse will finally see Flash is a monster and Godspeed's just kind of like standing there staring at him, you know? Yeah. And like, it, and honestly, Godspeed felt a lot different in this issue than he did in Flash Annual oh my 2. God. Yeah. In Flash <laughs> Annual 2, he's like straight out villain mode, ready to kick Bart's ass. In this one, he you feel like sympathetic for him because he's like hanging on to Paradox's every last word. And it seems like in this one, he's still Team Barry, but he's only teaming up with Paradox because, you know, he thinks it could help his brother or thinks it could help his past. So uh, it it felt like we're doing an inconsistent tone with Godspeed. And and again, I wonder how much of all this plays into what's going on with DC currently. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when this happened in Flash 50, I suspected it was going to be like Superboy Prime or somebody that was like a big character. Now, I wonder if, like, they were like, oh, we're going to use, you know, whatever character you wanted, we're going to use him in something else. You know, that happens in the comic industry a lot where you have the plan to use this character. It ends up getting scrapped because editorial wanted something else. So, you know, based on the inconsistent writing tones, I'm wondering if it was a different character originally and now they're kind of playing catch up. Yeah, I feel like it. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me because this entire issue is just like I'm looking at it. and It's just an exposition throw up. Yeah, it's just so much like. I, it's just show don't tell, man. 
show me all these different things with the characters, like stretch it out over at least 10 issues. Um, it, it doesn't like I don't need to have a super emotional connection with them, but maybe just like a passing one page per issue of just the dude with his family or something. Yeah, yeah, there should be some kind of, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. There should be some kind of connection built because I just felt nothing in this issue. Like, the fa- but, Fla- but Flash 50, in that tease, it made it seem like I'm so connected mm-hmm. to the Flash. So, you know, that's why, you know, the assumptions did start with like, oh, is it Cobalt Blue? Is it Superboy Prime? Is it somebody that has at least some history with the Flash family? Th- this is kind of just like, oh, okay, I guess you hate the Flash for it, some reason. And if I'm if I'm right... In because I I'm trying to pull it up right now, but if I'm right, the Flash Fifty panel even we don't actually see who it is either, and I well, feel like with Paradox, it, yeah, like it it's um we said yeah I think we just see a big like silhouette of like a guy with like blue like coming off of him. Yeah, and if I felt I feel like if it honestly was Paradox, then they would have just shown Paradox, you know. Because, like, it definitely seemed like it was a tease of, like, we're purposefully not showing you who it is. And now it's revealed, and it just makes that moment. It's like, who? You know? Yeah, but, but but that's why I'm I'm starting to think that, like, it must have been some kind of change mm-hmm. where it's just, like, you know, we wanted to do this. And I, and I wonder how much of that plays. Like I, like I said, I thought it was Prime at first. Now Prime is showing up in Shazam, and he's going to have other impacts. Like, Snyder's talked about him. Who knows if he'll be in metal too, even more metal. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So the line from Flash 50 is, uh, finally, the Flashes will pay for what they've done to me. He says Flashes will pay for what they've done to me. Worlds will live, worlds will die, and the multiverse will never be the same, which is the line from Christ on Infinite Earth. So some people were even thinking, like, any monitor. So, yeah, th- this just feels like, you know, something's changed because mm-hmm. that's not the same character that I'm seeing in today's issue. Yeah, and it, it's... It really sucks because it's like, is is really your big legacy issue and the big arc that's going to be spinning out of it? Is it really the best to do that with a random character? Yeah, you know, like yeah. honestly, bring back Eobard Thawne for the Flash Seven Fifty. Bring back all of the Reverse Flashes. You know, um, at least like if it's gonna if it's, it's just it just feels so weak. And it's really a bummer because I, I think I, I really do think like it is what you said of something happened behind the scenes because clearly Williamson's just getting thrashed around by the other titles. 100%. Um, like his book, it's again like, yeah, this is going to be the big story that happens next year and that it just didn't happen at all. Um, like literally, it's it's really weird because when you reread Annual 2, it's like this is supposed to be like the statement of what we're going to be diving into for the year. And it's just no mention of annual two for the rest of the probably what 30 issues yeah it's been a long time since we've like heard anything about annual two so uh, it's just it seems like an editorial like like you said it's just all over the place there seems to be some kind of interference with you know what he's doing i'm I'm thinking whoever paradox was originally is not who he ended up being and you know it's frustrating to go from one thing to the other i mean it feels like i'm playing parkour here trying to keep (laughs) up with what's happening with these characters and i mean it's unfortunate i feel bad for williamson i mean and and like you mentioned before with issue 100 when i talked to him when he appeared on our podcast when i asked him about you know hey would you think about bringing back daniel west and if you remember in the early flash rebirth issues he teased daniel west a few Mm -hmm. times 
And he said, you know, we have we have stuff in the plans. And I said, all right, what about Iris and Barry wedding? Yeah, there's stuff in the plans. And, you know, like he, he seemed like he had a lot planned. It seemed like issue 100 was going to be some big speedster arc with bringing back the family and all that. And Daniel West and it's turned into, OK, now it's going to be issue number 761. It's going to be just another generic issue. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I feel bad because it feels like his plans have just been shifted immensely. And it's really weird. Even I, I don't think it's a fair comparison because they're obviously going for different things. But like how King charted out his 100 issue arc versus like how Williamson did, because at least I felt like for a little while there was a little bit of building towards something. And yeah. then, yeah, just this last year just kind of felt like a complete 180. And it was like the force quest and all that stuff happened and like it just kind of ended. Like, I don't I don't know what happened after like re- in, in reality, I felt like his last year was just kind of a bunch of filler stories. Yeah, which which is really unfortunate. I mean, honestly, I, I just I don't I know. Think, I, I, I think, it just didn't work. Yeah. And I, it, it really sucks because I feel like there's an obvious improvement in Williamson's writing skill. Like, he writes a really, really good Barry when he puts Barry in really good situations. Um, yeah. And it's just, like, it, it sucks because it's, like, I think this year he's proven himself that like he can write a really good Flash when he does. But it's just, like, it doesn't seem like he's in, like, a situation to where he can, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just, like, it, it's frustrating, and I, I don't know. I just... It's not going to end up working out, and because of that, Williamson is going to take the flack from fans online mm-hmm. and stuff, and it just it feels undeserved. Yeah, I, I really – it sucks because he has, like, such a clear passion for the characters. Yeah, I mean, the time between Perfect Storm and Flash War, it really oh, felt like all right, we're, we're building to 100. There's a big story coming. I mean, mm-hmm. per- Perfect Storm teased what the Speed Force was capable of. Flash War team teased, you know, Hunter Zalman and the different forces and Paradox. It, it felt like, you know, we're building to something. We're only halfway there, though. And now it's just like, you know, as we're getting closer to that mark, it's just like, okay... DC wanted to make some more money, so we're getting legacy numbering and a big 750 issue, which 750, given that Williamson only gets one story out of that, he can't tell the big story that he may have wanted to tell in 100. So it's it's unfortunate at the end of the day. And I don't know. I mean, like this issue ends with Reverse Flash and the Renegades. Uh, it's not enough to save this issue from mm-hmm. being generic. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to Flash 750, obviously, as a Flash fan, but... I'm not feeling the paradox story so far. Yeah, I'm I'm on the hype train for special issue 761. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I do hope they make some kind of, you know, obviously they're not building any more to the Daniel West stuff or the Flash family stuff. I mean, damn, like in just thinking about it, like Flash family kind of appeared in the Speed Force and in uh you know, year 1 even and mm-hmm. but even in like Flash War, so, you know, it's just like We've gotten away from that, and it's a shame. I, um, yeah, is, how, has Williamson, or has anything ever been, like, rustling behind the scenes about him ever leaving this, the title? Like, because I don't, I, I don't I've, know. I've literally never heard anything. I mean, now that King's off Batman, he's the only writer that, from the start of the Rebirth run to the end, other than Scott Lobdell on Red Hood, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think any other writer has stayed on the book. Yeah, and I really, like... It's really weird because I don't know who – I don't even know if I want really 
anybody else besides Williamson on the title. Like, I, I, it's either, like, I don't think any known person at DC could really write a really good Flash book right now that I'd want, you know? I think I yeah, yeah, I don't see anybody who could take over the Flash ongoing right now and be successful. I think Williamson, when he's given his time to plan out, map, and do his own thing, I think he's shown success. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's always been a great story idea, man, which is why this last, like, Rogue's reign just lacked originality and just felt generic didn't feel like a williamson type story like mm-hmm. love or hate the guy you know a lot of people don't like running scared it it felt original it felt you know fresh oh and and so that's it, why i love perfect storm is because yeah. it's like it is it's it, and it is really funny when you look at like i i i think one of the biggest strengths of having a writer be on a title for so long is they're able to develop their own side characters and use them um and I think the way he built up Wallace and Avery and Godspeed and Mina, while they're all not really, really great characters, at least like Perfect Storm was kind of a like, I know we don't have the Flash family, but we have this right now. And even that made it really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I just, I don't know. I I, I just, I feel bad for Williamson. I know he wants to go a certain direction with it. And you know, I really hope he's given a little bit more freedom this year, you know, to do his thing. But uh, I think it's, you know, between seven fi- this issue 750 and whatever the arc after this with Paradox, because of the origin feeling so rushed, I think no matter what happens in this arc, I'm just not going to feel anything for Paradox. I'm not going to think he's an interesting villain. He just feels so generic. Yeah, but I mean, and I think also like what you said with Williamson catching the flack, um, I, I think... Uh, comic legacy also said like it's a pretty looking at batman superman it's clear the guy's a good writer you know like and it really sucks that this is his weak title because i feel like it's his his most prominent title that everyone knows him for yeah he again like he's catching flack because i think i really do feel like it is things out of his control yeah yeah i mean i don't know it's just it's unfortunate but you know, that, that's Williamson. I hope he's able to redeem himself in Flash 750 with the Paradox story. I just, I think a story built on weak foundation is just doomed for failure, unfortunately. Yeah. But there, the the arc right after is involving Reverse Flash, right? Yeah, it's going to be, well, I think it's part of the uh, Paradox arc. Is oh, okay. He's going to find Reverse Flash and he has to go back to the night of his mother's murder. Which sounds interesting, going with the Reverse Flash to tragic moments in your own life. I think that has potential to be cool. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, overall, it kind of sucks that the issue was so weak. Yeah, I mean, this issue really could have taken place over a few issues and just tease it along the way. And it would have done, you know, a a little bit of work there would have paid off in the long fold. But yeah, uh, just quickly here as we're wrapping up the episode, what did you think of Superman and Superman Heroes? Uh, Superman revealed his identity if you live under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, in Superman number 18, The Truth, and uh, we've kind of been seeing the repercussions of it. Uh, today we got, uh, or sorry, this week we got Superman 20, and we also got uh, Superman Heroes, which was a bunch of heroes essentially reacting to Superman coming out as Clark Kent. Um, what did you think of the issues? Um, I thought it was okay overall. I really enjoyed the Batman-Diana story. Um, yeah. And I really, really, really enjoyed the one where he goes back and visits his old uh, school teacher. That that was great. Um, I feel like other than that, like, I thought the Booster Gold part was pretty funny. Um, 
but like the Justice League's like it's really weird because it was advertised as like how's the Justice League gonna react, and then it's like okay, here's one panel of their reaction. Yeah, yeah, I was very underwhelmed with the actual reactions to this uh, in this issue, but yeah, I, I literally agree with everything you said. I thought the Batman Diana story was interesting. The school teacher one was very well written, um, and other than that, it was kind of just like eh, you know, the rest of the issue was okay. Oh, and. Uh, I love Bendis, but I will say the school teacher was written by Matt Fraction. <laughs> the like, oh, was that, it? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, that story. I think he posted it on Twitter and said it was written by Fraction. Oh wow, yeah, Fraction is talented. I haven't been reading Jimmy Olsen, but I really oh, want... Jimmy Olsen's so much fun. I, w- I wanted to trade weight it because I figure mm-hmm. they'll put all twelve issues in a trade yeah. and it'll read much better. I actually want to read. I've never read his Hawkeye run. I've heard so many great things about it, so I'd like to read that at some point. Yeah, I've read a couple issues of that, and I mean. Like, overall, I thought Superman Heroes was pretty weak, but, like, I, I'm really liking what, like, Bendis, Rucka, and Fraction have been cooking up. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the Bendis-verse is kind of its own thing, um, and I think, like, you can dislike it all you want, but it's going to be there. Um, <laughs> and I think, like, once you kind of get past the, like, okay, Bendis is going to tell his stories, and it's either you're going to, like, you know, shove your head in the ground and just yell that you hate it, or at least at least sit there and try and enjoy it, Um and I mean, like a lot of people were really complaining about Rucka's Lois Lane when it, uh, it was like, oh, why does she get a book or why does Jimmy Olsen get a book? And it's like, I think those are some of the best books DC is putting out in general right now. They yeah, are uh, so uh, good. Unfortunately, I decided to trade away to both and I immediately regretted it on both <laughs> because of the single issues that I'm keeping. I'm like, oh, these series suck. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to get to that at some point when it's in trade and I'm excited. But yeah, I thought Superman Heroes was OK. I thought this week's Superman, like the regular Superman number 20, was also just OK. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very interested in Superman fighting Mongol in space. I just yeah. didn't feel any weight to it. But uh uh, Lana Lang being in the issue was definitely interesting. You know, uh, part of him coming out as Superman or being sorry, coming out as Clark Kent is Lana Lang played a big part in his up- upbringing. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what Bendis does with her. Yeah, I uh, it really sucks that Bendis's books are monthly because yeah. it like really just drags like it's been over a year since well, Young Justice came out and it's like <sighs> It, it it really sucks because he adds a lot of high energy and a lot of really, really cool concepts to his stories. Like, I think, like, Superman, The Truth, for example. Um, and it's, like, it really sucks that it's, it's going to be going on for months. And even if it's going to be paced really, really well, which I think it will be, it's still going to feel like it's going to be meandering, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing I say about Bendis issues is that, like, it's, uh, to me, the best part is, like, the last, like, four to five pages. Yeah. Because it's teasing what's coming next, <laughs> which is, like, unfortunate. But, uh, you know, I, I think he has a great way of building hype. But, unfortunately, yeah, you're right. Like, a monthly, like, we're only 20 issues into Superman. It's just like, oh, I need more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really – it's really weird because, like, he's posting the stuff with – um, what's his – Wonder Comics. Um, like, the Wonder Comics crossover. And it reminds me a lot, like, when um, – I don't know if you actually ever read him, but, like, Young Animal – uh, when it crossed over with DC had its big like Milk Wars was their big event and it felt like an event um, yeah. and it felt like and after that happened it was like alright this book's going in this direction this book's going in this direction and all of the books that you read leading up to this are now doing their like n- like a second season type thing um, yeah. and it felt really earned and it felt like the like crossovers were really really cool because the characters were really fleshed out and then yeah. like Wonder Comics he's posting about like the Wonder Comics crossover in Young Justice 
And it's like, I don't care at all. I'm like, there's no, I don't feel any like excitement. I don't feel like this is a big deal. I'm just like, please let, let someone react to Tim changing his costume or let Bart meet someone, please. Yeah. Well, going back to Flash Annual 2 really quickly. Uh, remember when Bart was like talking to the statue of yeah. Lolly and was like, oh, you know, I think you need a new suit and all that. What, whatever happened to that? You know, I really want to see you soon. What, whatever happened to that? Yeah, the plans okay. definitely got thrown off. I'd love to read the original scripts of what Williamson wanted to do and what you know what was going to happen with all these characters because it's crazy to me how this got thrown off so much. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think part of it might honestly be because of Bendis, like uh-huh. keeping Bart away for a year. Like, I mean, because I think when people are going to go back and reread, like I think like a lot of people do now. Like when I was getting into comics, I was reading like a series in pretty much full. Um, yeah. And so you can notice a lot more things than you would reading it when it came out. Yeah. But I think people that are going to be reading The Flash Rebirth and it's going to be like, whoa, issue 50, Bart Allen's back. Whoa, annual two, like a couple months later. And then just nothing for like it's and it will probably end up being like 40 issues. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is absolutely nuts that this was able to happen and like. You know, I, I've always heard things where it's like, oh, you could definitely tell there was a continuity change. And I'm like, wow, I've never really experienced that reading. I really feel like I experienced it here. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, very unfortunate. But uh, yeah, so that, that's pretty much it for the comics of the week. Uh, it was a good week because of uh, Pennyworth RIP, I think, carried the week. And uh, yeah, Flash 750 coming up next. Uh, Caleb, I just want to thank you again for uh, co-hosting on the episode. Yeah, I feel like the episodes when we're just, uh, you know, bullshitting about comics, they go really quick. Yeah, no, I had a ton of fun again. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a big thank you to Caleb for filling in. Go give him a follow on Instagram if you're not already following at Comics AI really post panels pretty much every day yeah. more often than i'm posting i haven't posted in like two days and then i posted one thing today so i got to get back on it but uh anyway uh, if you're listening on itunes we appreciate a five-star review or whatever you feel we're worth five stars is appreciated though because it helps with the rankings uh and if you're not listening on itunes we appreciate a subscribe or follow or whatever you do anything helps uh for hero story i'm jd i'm caleb and Thanks for being a hero and taking Conjure's line again while he's gone because I got to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Thanks for being a hero. And remember, every second is a gift. Goodbye, everyone.